Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I am your host. If you are new here, I'm a transformational coach and instigator of joy and an intuitive human design reader. If you are back again for another round, welcome. Hi, I'm still me. Okay, so I got a lot to talk about. Leslie Thornton, we're going to talk about her at the end of this before we get into this delicious episode with her. But first, before Leslie and I started recording, she said something that she'd been told about her human design that just made me cringe. This has nothing to do with Leslie. It has to do with what she had been told. And here's the thing about human design. There are different ways of seeing it as there are different ways of seeing everything, right? My perspective on human design is that it gives us permission to be our brightest, shiniest, sparkliest selves. It is a way to see all of our gifts and see that by owning and sharing those gifts, we can change the world. We can transform the world. We can all come together and rise together. And that's why we're here. Other people see human design in a very rigid, restricting, constricting, uh, painful way. And I want you to know that if you have been told something about your design or have come to understand something about your design that does not make you feel expansive, does not make you feel lit up, does not make you sigh with relief and feeling like you are so seen, please reach out to me. Maybe we'll do a reading together. Maybe we're not a good fit and you would be a great fit for another brilliant reader that I know. I know so many incredible human design readers. And if you and I aren't a good fit, I will refer you to one of them. And maybe a reading isn't what you need. Maybe you're looking for a private session, which is where we will do some coaching perhaps some healing. We will do it all in the, I don't know the word. We're going to use your human design in that because that is who you are. And my goal here is helping you remember who you are so you can be the world changer that you came to be. Okay. So you got that human design shows you your light. If you are not feeling your light from human design, please reach out. I want to help. And if I'm not the one to help you, I got people. I've got amazing people. All right. Switching gears here. Oh, the energy this last week has been intense. I don't know any other word for it. I was talking to a friend this morning who told me that a week ago he was surfing with his daughter and she got hit by a board and got a black eye and a concussion. And then this past weekend she fell skateboarding and broke her leg in three places. I feel like that's actually an incredible metaphor for what so many people are experiencing these last few days, maybe longer. If you are feeling grief sorrow, frustration, exhaustion, overwhelm, burnout. You are not alone. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to share what I wrote and shared with my audience this weekend. If, if you're on my email list, you got this email. If you are not, 
get yourself on there. So you get these little gems in your inbox, go to kelseyabbott.com to sign up for my list. Okay, here we go. I thought I was going to write about other topics this week, but after swimming through this week's energy myself, after supporting clients through this time, and after talking to friends and neighbors about their experiences, these are the words that are coming through. You are so loved. If you are feeling fear, anxiety, overwhelm, burnout, grief, sorrow, frustration, or exhaustion, know that you are not alone. The energy is super intense right now. The collective energy is filled with teeth chattering fear. It's an energy that is constantly looking for what's wrong. It's a lot. My neighbor recently said, I don't know what to do with all of my emotions right now. A lot of people are feeling this way. We came here for this. Our souls chose to be enrolled in our school at this moment in time because of this intense energy. We chose here to be for here. Excuse me. We chose to be here for the transformation. Our soul selves are totally here for it. Meanwhile, our human selves are left saying, what the fuck? Does that resonate? So how do we make this experience easier? We can start by recognizing what is ours and what isn't. We all feel energy. Some of us feel other people's emotions as our own. Some of us feel other people's fears as our own. Some of us feel other people's mental energy as our own. We can't actually process other people's emotions, fears, or mental energy for them. In fact, our carrying their energy reduces our helpfulness to them and others around us. In lifeguard training, we're taught to offer a drowning person an object to hold on to first. Why? Because a drowning person could take you down with them if you get too close. In coach training, we're taught to stay in our own boat when we're coaching clients because, you guessed it, if we get into our client's boat with them, we're going down with them. It's the same with energy. To really, truly help people, it's important for us to stay grounded in our own energy and offer compassion from that rooted place. How do we know if we're feeling other people's energy? If it's mental energy that we're feeling, remember that the truth will drop into our bodies while fear thoughts will swirl in our heads. And fear equals forgetting that everything is all right. If it's emotions and fear that we're feeling, getting quiet and asking, is this mine? will allow your body to answer. What do we do with other people's energy? We feel into the energy and say, please return to sender with compassion. One more thing, move your body. Emotions are energy in motion. They are designed to move through us and moving our bodies in whatever way feels right to us will help those emotions flow through us faster and with more ease. I love you. The universe loves you. God, source, spirit loves you. Love Kelsey. Okay. So if you're not on my email list, get yourself on there, go to KelseyAbbott.com to sign yourself up. Now let's switch gears again. Are you staying with me? Yeah. I'm a manifesting generator. Did you know that I, I pop around a lot? Okay. So first I mentioned private sessions and that's a new offer for me from me, a new way to work with me. It's something that I've only offered to past and current clients through the seven years of my coaching business. And now I'm opening up to everybody because sometimes you need a one hit. I'm going to say a one hit wonder. You need just like one session. You don't need a year long commitment or multiple months of commitment. You need help right this second. 
That's what these private sessions are for. You bring the topic wherever you're stuck, whatever you are struggling with, whatever you're really excited to create, you know when you need help and you are worthy of receiving help. You do not need to do it alone. And in fact, you're, while you are a sovereign being and you have your own gifts, and this is so important for you to understand, you are a sovereign being. You're here to follow your authority. You are here to own and share your gifts with the world. And you are a human trying to figure out this humaning thing, which is a ridiculous thing, this humaning thing. It's awkward and funny and again, what the fuck? We don't know what we're doing. None of us know what we're doing because none of us remember being humans in the past. So if you want help for your soul, for your human, a private session is a perfect place to get that help. You can sign up for your private session at kelseyabbott.com. It's right under the play with me tab. First thing there is private session. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay. So we've got that. And then four, six classes. In other words, if your human design profile, that's the, the two numbers in your human design. So I'm a four, six, maybe you're a six, two or a five, one, four sixes. I made something really special for you. It's a pre-recorded class all about the four, six profile. It's so important to understand our profile. So many people, when they first get into human design, it's all about the energy type and hopefully an understanding of their authority and their strategy. But that profile, that profile is super important. In fact, say you're, I'm a four, six manifesting generator. Say you're a four, six reflector. Say you're a four, six projector. Say you're a four, six generator. Say you're a four, six manifester. We are all going to have so much in common. And if you are that four, six, let's say projector, you might have more in common with me than you do with someone who is also a projector, but is a different profile. We get each other. These are our people. So if you are a four, six and you want to learn about what that means, or if you love a four, six and want to really, truly understand and see that person in your life, go to KelseyAbbott.com under courses and classes, human design classes, and you will see the class for the four, six profile. Also, link will be in the show notes because who wants to navigate? And the final thing, hey, core classes, plank you very much is live at core with Kelsey, which is also on my website, also link in the show notes. And that is a core class that combines core workout and a massive gratitude meditation. And it's all for you to do whenever you want. And it's only 10 bucks. So go get that again, link in the show notes. Now, shall we move forward? Shall we talk about Leslie Thornton and this conversation with her? I think we shall. Leslie Thornton is an NLP practitioner, hypnotist, and certified coach who has helped hundreds of people around the world overcome the obsession with food, body, and weight for good. While working as a nurse, Leslie realized the key ingredient to lasting health and wellness was not being shared by doctors or healthcare experts. She saw in her own life, the power of personal development and mindset tools in transforming her body and life. So she started sharing with her patients and soon saw the massive opportunity to share hypnosis for permanent weight loss with the masses. This conversation was really fascinating for me. I don't know anything about hypnosis. I mean, 
I know a teeny tiny bit. And so I had a lot of questions for Leslie and I found it also interesting. I also was totally in awe and geeking, geeking out over the stuff she learned in her latest NLP train the trainers. I think that was what it was called training. Anyway, this is just a really interesting discussion. And if you are interested in permanent weight loss, this is Leslie is definitely for you. If you are not, I'm not, there is still absolutely positively something for you in this episode. So let's get to it. Of course, before we do, remember you're a miracle. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You are so loved. Go forth and be awesome. Leslie, I'm so excited to do this with you. Thank you. Me too, Kelsey. Thanks. So you just got back from NLP train the trainers That's training. Right. Yeah. Like a month of living in a hotel in Vegas. That's exactly what happened. Which has got to be an experience on its own. That's true. Definitely. <laughs> yep. To live in a hotel that long. And yep, absolutely. Like, did you grow up? Did you know the book Eloise? Oh my gosh. Why does that ring a bell? She was the little girl that lived in the fancy hotel in New York City. I do remember that. <laughs> now I'm obsessed with it. I'm going to look it up right after this because I forgot I gonna, about it. I was going to ask you if you felt like Eloise. Yeah, well, maybe that's why I was secretly like wanting to do it because of Eloise. And I had yeah. no idea it was in my subconscious. So thanks for that. Love yeah. it. Anytime. Okay, so <laughs> I want to start right out with what you were just telling me about one of the things you learned, and I want to know everything you learned, but one of the things you learned, you were learning about like how, how to speak and like hold people's attention. Can you just share that please? Yeah. 100%. So the whole thing was, you know, people talk about the concept these days about one to many like coaching or one-to-many presentations. So where I'm at right now in my business, it's not one-on-one it's one-to-many. So it's like, and also like presenting and doing public speaking things and, you know, have my podcast and on your podcast and all the things like that's something that I knew that I really wanted to do. So the whole point was, yes, the NLP trainers training. And at the same time, getting trained to be masterful at one to many presentations. So all the things you want to know all the things. So I do, but wait, I just realized people might not know what NLP is. Okay. So neuro-linguistic programming. The way that I describe it is, well, obviously neuro, like mind, linguistic, meaning words and language. And this can be nonverbal language. It could even be like the language that you're speaking to yourself, like self-talk and like, you know, pictures and all that kind of stuff. And then programming, you know, choosing to reprogram your subconscious and the thoughts that you're having to support you in making major life changes. So, um, I described it as like, if we all imagine that we have a mental movie screen and it's like, as you're going through life, it's like, we're playing a video game and we're kind of like, whatever. And then we know how we'll like, it's like, oh, we're having a great day. And then like, like something happens and all of a sudden we're triggered. And now we're like, Ooh, like what happened? And like, not feeling good anymore. And it's like, Oh, what's happening. I hate my life. Um, so what happens in that split second, you know, with the mental movie screen is our archives of our subconscious basically pop on. And, you know, maybe we got embarrassed really bad when we were like in third grade 
And so something happens, which re-triggers that thing that happens. And now we feel bad. And so our behaviors and habits might fall suit. So with neuro-linguistic programming tools, it's a quick way to like change what's coming up on your mental movie screen. Um, for example, there's something called like the swish pattern and you're like one, two, three, shh, and you like swish up the picture that is the more desired state that you want to have like super fast in your mental movie screen and it changes your state like super fast. And now you're back to having the best day of your life again. So just way to keep it moving and get towards what you want faster. So that's how I describe neuro-linguistic programming. Um, and then like hypnosis comes out of that and all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I actually found NLP and this hypnosis training after I initially found hypnosis, which freed me from the food prison thing. So hugely important in my life and now get to certify other people with that because of this training. So now going into that training, so becoming the masterful presenter. So like I was telling you, the whole thing is set up over the course of the entire time that you're there to build upon habits and install it into your automatic way of being when you're doing presentations in front of people. So literally the first exercise that they have you do, they teach you about what they call cylinders. So you imagine your body kind of like every aspect of your body being a cylinder, you know, like both parts of your legs, lower and upper, you know, your, your torso is a cylinder, both parts of your arms are a cylinder, your head's a cylinder. And so it's like, you got to think about how like all cylinders need to maintain balance. And they took your ability to use your hands completely away for the first like four days. Like you just could not use your hands at all. And so it's just like awkward, but it's to install that habit of like not using distracting hand movements. Um, and then like building upon that one of basically just standing in front of the room and having the participants raise their hands when they felt like they could feel your presence with them. And so you as the presenter, you're becoming aware of when people are like, nope, I don't feel it. Like, nope, I don't feel you anymore. And you're kind of like, hmm. And you kind of can realize at certain moments that you're, they call it, um, I think they call it down. It's called down speak or downturn or something like that. And then there's up whenever you're down, it means like you're internal, like you're, you're inside your own self thinking about your own stuff versus being out there with your audience. And like, you don't realize it until you do an exercise like this. But when you put their, when they put their hand down, you're not thinking about them. You're not radiating your being with them. And so just for you as a presenter to become aware of that and like practice, like stabilizing, being out there with your audience. Um, was there any time where you were like, wait, I am with you. Why are your hands down? Definitely. Absolutely. Like it was kind of like, it was interesting. Cause like, you'd have the thought of like mad at them. Like, what are you talking about? Like yeah. you wouldn't do anything, but you're just kind of like, what? Like, but then you're like, okay, let me take ownership of this. And let me just like be with them, you know? And like, think about having my, I think of it as like my love vibration. Like, I just care about you tremendously, whoever you are, human being, like, let's just like, I want to be with you right now. And then like slowly the hand would come back up. So it's cool. Mm -hmm. All right. And then, um, yeah. And then being with the room, then the next habit installed was like, every time that you noticed someone's like, foot moving or arm moving or, you know, anything you just like did like a gentle point at like, you know, the different things that you're noticing in the room and just like got you super present to that. And also to support them in like paying attention more because, you know, you kind of can lose somebody when you're presenting, 
as you and I were talking about. So then being able to actually like put attention on them. And then it's like, they come back to being with you to make sure that they're not missing well, the important message. Well, wait, is that saying that when people are moving, they're not paying attention mm, as a squirmy from, person yeah. with a defined route? Like you'll see, I'm currently like rotating in my chair and I'm like, I'm with you. Cool. Definitely. It was not like to- taught to us. Like if they're moving, they're not paying attention. I know for myself, like as soon as I start, like, kind of like I can feel myself and I'll be like, yeah, you're kind of losing interest right now. And then I'll get present to what they're talking about. And I'll be like either triggered by something they're saying, (laughs) or I'll like, you know, just be completely like, this is just a really boring presentation. Um, so that's more, you know, the way that I look at that is it could be, but of course you don't know that for sure. But either way, you know, it can be distracting for probably both parties if there's that. So if there's anything that you can do to like be with that person, even if they're moving a lot, then it can only probably support the situation. Cool. And then, um, yeah. And then slowly they started. Oh, so then we did, um, like metaphors. So metaphoric kind of conversations and talking. So it was kind of like, um, and this is all kind of with the hypnosis called meta model. And, uh, you're basically like, I know you may be wondering, and it's okay to wonder because as soon as you continue to listen to what I'm saying, you may start to realize, but not until you already have realized that what I'm saying is exactly what you need to hear today. Isn't it? Is it not? Because maybe one day you're walking down the street and you talk to a guy named Sam and he said to you, isn't it a beautiful morning today? Isn't it? Don't you think that it is like just had to stand up and just riff like that for five minutes straight, maybe even like eight minutes straight. And you're taught like the different versions of these kinds of ways. There's like a whole thing that you learn with that. And it's just like to, cause it's like, people will start to like, get like, like kind of like it's to confuse the conscious mind so that you can really like cut through to like the feelings and the places where you can make a difference for another human being versus like working with all the judgments and the assessments going on up here. So what, what's happening for the listener when you're doing that? Cause I could feel myself being like, what? Like my brain can't make sense of what you're saying. Exactly. I'm pretty sure you're not saying anything. Yeah, exactly. It's like this. And then once you come out of it, then you can be like, so today I'm going to be talking to you about neuro-linguistic programming. And by that point, your conscious mind is so like, like you're just like a a space to receive words that are actually making sense. (laughs) So, but you wouldn't, it's not like you go up and kind of like do a whole thing in real life. Like that was just practicing that model. But the thing is like, you can add that stuff into your talk, like just randomly And it'll have people kind of be like, wait, what is she saying? And it's like, exactly. That is what I'm saying. So back to chapter number six, it's like that. (laughs) Yeah. So you spent a month. I mean, I, I absolutely believe in NLP and what you're doing, but one thing you're telling me right now is you spent a month living in a hotel in Vegas to learn how to fuck with people. (laughs) it can be like that. Absolutely. 100%. And like, you know, obviously there's some things with NLP that can get a bad rap, but there's like a very big emphasis on it's only used for ecological things. And so in my experience of doing hypnosis and all this kind of stuff, it's like everyone's biggest enemy is the conscious mind getting in the way of like just receiving and living their life and trusting themselves and their own intuition and being in alignment with their path. Like 
mental constructs is just always, you know, making life really hard and stressful. So yes, I am voluntarily signing up to learn how to fuck with people. If it's going to lead them to happiness, inner peace and freedom all day, every day. So I love it. I really Mm -hmm. hope we pull that quote for this episode. Okay. I will count on you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So keep going. Cool. So then uh, we started in, oh, so then we had to create metaphors. So what this looks like is you come up with stories. They can be made up stories or they can be personal um, stories. And you want it to, um, the purpose of the story is to create a state within the person that you're talking to. So for example, it's like the first state usually is like a stuck state. Right. So it's like maybe you tell this story and it's like you were going ice skating and you were like trying to do a triple axel because you're an ice skater or something. And you just keep falling and falling and falling. And it's like, and I was so frustrated. Like I was so stuck. Right. So now your audience is like in the state of like stuck with you, which they can like get, you know, and some of them, sometimes in the beginning of a presentation, they already feel some resistance. So it's like, you're with them with the emotion. They may start out in your talk feeling. Then you like, and you strategically, they added in this stuff later, but it's like you start at your podium and then you come out for the first story and then you come back to the podium and then you come out for the second story to elicit the second state, which is like a little bit of movement towards what it is that you want. Right. So it's like, So then, you know, one day I went horseback riding and like, then we actually like started, you know, galloping and I started getting excited, like what was going to happen next? Right. So now they're feeling that way. And then you come back to the podium and you're like, and you know, and then that reminds me of another time until another one. And then you end, you know, with just like, and that makes me so curious about what's going to happen next. Then you come back and you're like, so today. I'm going to talk to you. And then you, but the, here's the thing is like, you don't finish the stories. You leave them hanging at like a cliffhanger part where you're like, I was so stuck. Then you come back and you're like, and that reminds me of another time. So they're just like, what, 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 what? And you like are with them with the feelings. Right. So then you come and you do your, you know, presentation and you train them on whatever you're training. And then at the end, then you close all of the states and you end all the stories at your podium and it's like this perfect completion with a bow. And it's always like a message that's like positive and maybe could change someone's life through the story that you're telling them about whatever happened. My life was changed like eight times. No, probably like a hundred times while I was there just listening to other people's stories and being like, cause it jogs your memory of your own stuff. And you're like, yeah, like I feel like that. And then the next thing you know, you're like, calling your friend and saying how much you care about them. And it's like, because they told that story, you know? So the power of that. um, So we did metaphors and then we had to prepare our actual NLP trainings. So each of us picked two of the tools that, you know, in advance and then had to write up in a very specific, there's um, uh, uh, you start out with the why section, like, why would we want to learn this tool? Then the what section, like, what is this tool? And then the how, like, how do you do it? And then does anybody have any questions? And just like, it's just ingrained in your brain to always structure presentations with that format. Like that's what works. And then closing those metaphors at the end. So consistently getting the coaching and feedback of like how, like how to figure it out and, you know, fix it all up and blah, blah, blah. So that by the end, 
you've given this like full and complete masterful talk, including the metaphors, including the tools. Now you've educated the audience. And so then we all were training each other in NLP by at the same time, we're getting excellent at training, you know, and the tools at the same time. So it's really brilliant way that the whole thing was put together. I am totally fascinated by this. And now I'm like, I got to get myself to an NLP training. I just want to see it all in action. I highly recommend. It was awesome. Yeah. Can it be done? You talked about a lot of this stuff, like starting at your podium and then going out. Can it be adapted for virtual learning? For Yes, correct. 100%. So, you know, I'm in this chair right now. So they said like, you can actually move your chair for this one state and then like, kind of like sit back a little. And then it's like, and then, you know, this, you know, and then move over here. Like, yep. That's how they recommended to do that. It's fascinating. Okay. I want to, where do I want to go next? I want to go so many places because I really want to dig into hypnosis, but I also, you used a phrase that I have used and I've never heard anyone else use it. Food prison. Mm. Well, I didn't think we were going to go here now, but it's, it's like knocking on my head. Mm -hmm. So what, what was your experience with food prison? constantly thinking about food and exercise and dieting and everything that I ate and everything I'm going to eat and everything that I'm mad at myself for, for not doing or doing. And just thinking about that 98.7% of my day all day for many years. So that was, that's a different definition than I have for food prison. Cause mine was healing my gut and being advised to eat this super restrictive diet Mm. that would leave me hungry and like making circles in the kitchen, looking, Mm. looking for food, Mm. but being like, I can't, I'm not supposed to eat that. I'm not supposed to eat that. I'm not supposed to eat that. Fine. Mm. I just won't eat. Yeah. That was rough. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry that happened. Well, thanks. I'm sorry that you experienced your version of food prison. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. My pathway of healing has been like to allow myself to like eat those things again, because I like learned and educated myself about health so much that I became what I later found out was the definition of orthorexia, which is just like knowing about all the things and like obsessing about how every chemical is affecting every cell in my body. And like, it just was like way over the top. And so like readjusting myself back into like, Hey, you're still safe. If you do sometimes have dairy or sometimes have gluten, like you're not going to die. And at least you're not going to like binge later pretending you don't eat that stuff when in reality you really want it, you know? So yeah, had to have the pendulum swing the other way to get some balance, but yeah. yeah. And you, at the time you were a nurse, right? Correct. Yep. So my first, you know, awareness of my slow metabolism was when I was eight. My mom told me that I was bigger than my sisters. So I had to portion control and learn about calories and fat and all these things. So, you know, good and bad at the same time, because of that education, I never became, you know, super obese, but at the same time, it became just my brain, like took it on as like my mission, like my project. And just like, it just stayed with me. I don't think that I know I would not have been as interested in nursing and biology and all that kind of stuff if I wasn't really obsessed with my own body. So, um, and I became a personal trainer in college because I was, you know, at the gym from a young age, always trying to lose weight and, you know, yeah, I was just thinking about it all the time. And, uh, it was a mental obsession. I was in food prison. 
how long, how often do you think about food and exercise and all that these days? Like seriously, like a very small percentage. Like if anything, it's just like, like a joyful thing. Like, Oh, I'm feeling a little hungry. Like, what would I like to have? And then I have it. And then it's like, cool. I feel great. Like what's next in life? You know, like it's 0%. Like a little bit earlier I had, like, I bought this like really nice, like little strawberry cheesecake at the farmer's market yesterday. And I was like, I'm in the mood for something sweet. It's like, not at a certain time or whatever. It's just like, take some forkfuls of that. Like, Oh, that was great. Like, let's have a cup of tea and a glass of water and let's do this podcast interview. Like there's just no charge around that. Or like, Oh, well, let me make sure I get my workout in because I ate that cheesecake. It's like, no, my body loves to move. And how would I like to move my body today? That feels great. You know? And like, sometimes that's a more challenging workout and sometimes it's a nice swim and sometimes it's a little walk and sometimes it's cleaning my house. So (laughs) just total freedom and like, but it's taken a lot of work to get here because I also don't have like a super skinny body anymore. And I did before, um, because of all the mental, you know, the things that I thought, like, I thought that I couldn't attract my soulmate if my body wasn't super, you know, lean. And I thought that, you know, I couldn't be successful, you know, in my business if I didn't look a certain way. So I had to get past all the beliefs about that stuff and basically prove that the opposite was true. And then also work on my emotions big time, um, to get to where I am today and like, learn how to accept my body in like, it's normal size of like, I've just accepted like that. Yes. Could I get it skinnier? Absolutely. I've done that. Check. (laughs) Does it lead me to have like a super comprehensive, full, satisfying life day after day after day? No. So then I accept that my body is the way that it is today. If it goes down, great. If it goes up now, I don't feel terrified of that. So here we are. Leslie gets to just be present and be grateful on a day-to-day basis. Mm. It sounds so expanding. Mm, Unbelievable. I feel like my life went from like black and white to like beautiful colors. Mm. And yeah, very grateful for that. I am grateful too, because it brought you to this place right here, right now. Thank you. I appreciate that. And how did hypnosis, how did that play? (laughs) What, what role did it play in this whole evolution of yours. Yeah. Hypnosis was the bomb. First of all, <laughs> um, as a nurse and being all sciencey, like when I, I, you know, first saw like these words about like permanent weight loss and I was like, what are like the permanent solution to weight loss? And I was like, okay, skeptic in me, like, what is this? Like started reading about hypnosis. And I was like, if this actually worked, why wouldn't they have taught me this in nursing school? You know, like, what is this BS? But I was so desperate. This was in 2011. I had just graduated nursing school. I was living at my sister's house in San Francisco and like spent a lot of time at the public library there and just like stumbled upon this. And I had been kind of like working out my food stuff still then still was trying to figure it out. So I ended up hypnotizing myself one night after doing like all this pre-work and all this stuff. And, you know, prior to doing this, it was like doing really strange behaviors. Like I was like a, like a squirrel preparing for winter just to like go out for the day, as far as like packing all this food in my bag and being like, Oh my God, I don't know if I'll have enough to last me the day. Cause I was like walking around San Francisco a lot. And then like within the first hour, I'd like eat it all like sitting on a park bench or like something like that. Like weird. Like I'm, you know, like a together person. Like I, like do well in life and and successful, but like 
this didn't make sense. Like, why are these weird, strange behaviors happening? So went from that and like also being super anxious. Like if there was cookies in the house or ice cream, it'd be like, I can't wait for people to go to sleep so I can like eat that stuff, you know? And like, just like hiding and sneaking and weird, like can't focus on anything else. And um, yeah, like buffets, like way overeating, like just anxiety, like got to get it all in just like all this. So listen to this hypnosis one night and literally woke up the next day. I mean, not to sound like office space or something with the hypnosis. That was the one that did the thing with the hypnosis, right? The guy who listened. I don't know. Anyway, that's the movie. (laughs) Anyway, this guy like gets hypnosis done and then he just doesn't care about anything in life. But my experience is pretty similar. Not about not caring, but it was just like for the first time ever waking up the next day, I felt like I was actually like sitting inside my own body, like rather than like just starting to go and being like, what can I have to eat? Or like, what coffee am I going to have? That's going to spark my day. And like, whatever it was like, I was just like, I noticed like a tingling in the air from just like the sun hitting. It was like super quiet. It just slowed down my mind. So I just was like, you know, I have this theory that people who have addiction stuff are some of the smartest people in the world but like, they just need to also know how to quiet it down and slow it down to like make their genius, like turn into something fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what it did and helped me really focus on, you know, what it was that I really wanted because the subconscious mind can't hear what we don't want. So every time we're like, Oh, don't eat those cookies. Then all our subconscious gets all day is eat cookies, eat cookies, eat cookies. And that's why as soon as we start a diet, it's even harder to stay away from foods than if we're not on one. It's like, why is that? It's like, cause we're sending the wrong message. So in hypnosis, when you're actually sending the positive message of like, I want a lean, strong and healthy body. Like I eat moderate portions at meals because that's what makes me feel good. Like then all of a sudden it like gets on board and then it's the reticular activating system, part of your brain. So that's like, if you see, um, if you're like, oh, I want to go buy a new, you know, black Tesla, right. It's like, you're going to start seeing black Teslas everywhere, you know? So as soon as you introduce to the subconscious mind, those kinds of positive messages, it's like now that starts to see those things happening. And now instead of that battle between like, don't eat cookies and I really want them. It's like, no, we love to eat like this. And it's like automatic, you know? So it just took all that charge away, all the anxiety away, which made me feel safe to know that I wasn't going to be on my 600 pound life one day because it was like, well, because my behaviors and my brain were moving that fast. that it was like, if I let myself go, like it ain't ever going to stop, you know? So then it was like, oh, okay. Like I don't feel that crazy way anymore. So at least now I don't need to worry about that. So I can live my life and like, just be relaxed. Um, so that's what the hypnosis did for me was just slow it down and get me to not be crazy anymore about Mm. it. It's not it like the vision I get as you talk is like, it put, it put like a a piece of wood in the gear of the obsessive thinking and it just allowed you space to just be. That is 100% right. Mm. Yep. And I realized what I was, it was like, wow, has life always been this beautiful? Like it hasn't, has it always been this quiet, you know, like, this is great. I remember I went for a run like that day or the next day. And it was like the Hills of San Francisco is like, oof, really a trek. I was like, if I could do that with my mind, like what else can my mind do? And I was like, I was like, what if my body could just keep running right now? Like, 
it's not like it actually can't run. Like, it's just my mind that's telling it that it's tired and then it stops. But like, what if I just don't listen to that and just have it keep running? And then I like ran the farthest I ever ran, you know, it's like, and then my whole life just became obsessed with like, what else can we do with this subconscious mind? Because this is fantastic and been going after all my dreams ever since and helping other people do the same. So after that first night of meditation, how much, I mean, hypnosis, hypnosis, how much hypnosis did you, like, did you continue doing it like every I night did. or what did that yep. look like? I listened to it every night and then it switched like which hypnosis track that you did after I think four weeks or eight weeks. Then you listen to that one. And then you listen to it every other night for a while. Then you listen to it once a week for the rest of your life, which has not been that one for me, but there's always been mindset work or some kind of something for the rest of my life since then. So yeah. And is it something you always listen to it like right before bed? Yep. Yep. You can even fall asleep when you're listening to it. You don't even, I didn't even remember it after like the first five minutes or something like that and still felt that way. So, and is your sleep amazing? Yeah. You sleep really well. You fall asleep fast. Like it's just like, okay, everything just starts working. So, mm-hmm. yep. So for the people who are still, like hypnosis, mm-hmm. that makes me think of somebody being told that they're a chicken. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say? You can't make anybody do anything that they really don't want to do. It's just not a thing, right? Like if I told someone like, you know, stand up right now, like you could probably stand up because unless there's some reason that you actually can't, you know, it's like not that big of a deal. There's no harm that can be caused. Like, okay, I'll stand up. But if I told somebody to like, cross a busy road with their eyes closed. It's like, you wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's like, no, like your body is just like a no for that. So you're not going to do it. So the people who are clucking like chickens are people who are suggestible, you know, like they're okay to play the game. They don't really care if they're embarrassing themselves. Like they're just people that are like, yeah, let's do that thing. So as long as they're safe and not totally against it, then that's what's going to happen. The hypnotist knows to pick people through doing different tests along the way in the beginning of who is highly suggestible of just like, who's like just playing the game here, you know, and they pick those people. And then that's the show that you get to watch. So I personally have been a part of those stage shows. Um, when I was just doing my hypnosis trainers training, we all had to give one and we all had to be listening to the other six people that were doing theirs. And I was up there doing whatever they were telling me to do. And it was cool, like to like know what that was like on the other end, because it was just like, I was just so relaxed, you know, because they've jumbled my mind the way that we were talking about the NLP stuff so much and like totally okay with it because I'm safe. Like there's nothing bad happening. Um, So you're just like in the trance state. And so then it's just like, whatever they say, there's just nothing in the way. It's like a little kid. Like you can make a little kid do anything because there's no things in the way. So then when they're like, oh my God, a mouse, like it's going under your chair. You're just like automatically like putting your feet up, even though there's nothing there, but it's like, there's just nothing in the way. You're just playing a game like a little kid would. Mm. Does it feel, so after you come out of the hypnosis, does it, do you still feel like a little kid? Like, do you have that freedom and expansiveness? Mm. So at the end you say like, you know, the hypnosis is now done. Like all suggestions are now closed unless, you know, it's ongoing, you know, positive things that you want to keep kind of thing. So it officially ends it. But even if that wasn't done, nothing is gonna, but I felt a little bit more sleepy and just like present, like for the rest of the day after going through like six of these in a row. (laughs) Um, 
but it's not like you're like stuck in it or like feel like, you know, you're just kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm just chilling right now. That makes sense. Like you're here though. It's like, it's not like you don't, you're totally conscious. It's just, there's just a little extra like chilling feeling. Mm. (laughs) And then, so we, as a culture Mm -hmm. have been conditioned to believe that we have to work hard to do anything. Mm-hmm. We have to put our nose to the grindstone. So in order to change our beliefs, to change our habits, change our, change our behaviors, like we would have to really do the work. Mm. Yeah. And yet hypnosis, like it doesn't sound like it's doing the work that much. Right. Yeah. That's really right. So a couple things on that, like hypnosis, like for like with my program, it's something that they're listening to throughout the whole thing, you know, and you can't take your life out of like triggers and like when the food and like whatever. So there's still like other things that need to be done. So instead of like, have to put my nose to the ground, like the invitation is looking at, you know, reframing it as I get to do that in order for me to have permanent freedom from food and body and weight stuff you know? So the hypnosis definitely takes that initial charge off and it's like, okay, like maybe I can relax a little bit. Like maybe I can be more receptive and also more present to my habits versus how did my hand just end up in this chip bag? Like I said, I wasn't going to eat it. Like, that's what's scary. Like when that happened to me, it was like, that terrified me. Like I would be like, like very, um, authentically committed, like genuinely committed to like, I really just want to eat healthy today. It's what I value, blah, blah, blah. And then I just be like shoveling food in my face one at one moment and be like, you know, and then that's scary. Like I said, like, it's just like terrifying. Like, it's like, what? And you feel like I'm an addict, like something's controlling me that I can't. So the hypnosis helps to just slow that down and brings awareness to those actions. So then once my clients have that, then now it's like, okay, now bring the awareness to your coaching calls. And then let's talk about different tools and what happened leading up to that so that you can like be aware, use emotional mastery kind of stuff to get past the frustration or anger that might've caused that initial automatic thing to happen. And then that's building a new pattern. So yes, there's hard work involved. I say to my podcast all the time, like you have to be ready to like feel the pain and do the thing and rip off the band-aids. Um, but if you, if you really want that freedom on the other side, then that's, what's available. So then it's like, you get to do it versus have to Mm -hmm. it. I actually had a, well, similar, but different experience with the automatic like action years ago. I remember I was in the middle of a workout and I just, all of a sudden I found my phone in my hand Mm -hmm. and I was like, what, what are you going to do with this? What? like, what is going on? I was like, that's when I was like, this needs to, to not really be a part of my life. And I'm sure so many people can relate to that phone thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's just like, it happens without you even being aware of it. So, so I can imagine just realizing, wow, my hand is in a chip bag and I've now had five handfuls. Yeah. And it's like the alarms go off. Cause it's like, what the heck happened here? And then you're like, well, that's happening automatically, then what else is going to happen automatically? You know, I'm going to be 600 pounds and I can't control it. So yeah, all that. Does it feel like, like when that is happening, does it feel like your brain is like numb? Is that what happens with hypnosis? It like brings our brain back online so that now you're seeing every, like things have slowed down enough that you're, you're present, you're in it and you're like, Ooh, okay. 
you can make a conscious choice. 100%. Yep. I had a client who she was maybe a few weeks into the program and she said that she was on a zoom meeting or whatever. She had her camera off and she was like, and I was all of a sudden I was eating chips and I was like, but she's like, but then I stopped myself. And I was like, wait a second, like I'm eating chips right now. So it wasn't this like panic button and then thing, but just like this, like pause and like, okay, this is what's happening. And then she checked in with herself of like, okay, how am I like, how am I feeling right now? And she was like, I just got really frustrated and anxious based on what this, what my boss just said on the zoom call. So then she got to have the awareness of being like, every time that I feel anxious or frustrated, crunchiness and incessant eating helps me to take that anxiety away. So then it's like, great. Now we have the data. So then let's give you an emotional mastery tool so that when you feel that anxiety, and I say to my clients all the time, I'm like, listen, I don't care if while you're eating the chips, you're practicing the emotional mastery tool. Eventually the tool is going to seem more appealing to you than the chips. So just practice the way that that is. And then they learn how to like actually be present to their anger or frustration, move that feeling around and then get back to present. And then they're like, oh, I don't even want those chips anymore. So And then over time, it's like the chips is not the automatic habit. It's the tool and the awareness of the emotion and how to take care of that better than the easy automatic way of chips or phone or whatever people's vices. I love that you're addressing it that way so much because I have heard people be like, well, just, okay. So when you get angry or frustrated, you know, you need something crunchy. So eat celery instead of chips. Oh, I can't stand it. Oh, it's the worst. And someone who like loves food, like they don't want to eat celery instead of chips. Like, no, no, no. It's so doesn't work. I ugh, thank you for pointing out that example. You can see how disgusted I am. Maybe for like some person it will work, but like for someone who's like really challenged with food stuff, like the last thing that you ever want to hear is like, just eat celery instead of chips. It's like F. Yeah. Yeah. Like you eat celery instead of chips (laughs) because you've got this whole like machinery in your mind. That's like the way you process the emotion has come to be by putting chips in your mouth. Yeah, that's right. So then we need to adjust the emotion. Exactly. It's the emotion. We need to get the foundational thing that's going on, like at the root And then from there, once the emotion has passed from the tool that you're using, it's like, you can actually get present to what you actually need, which is usually something that's like self-caring and helpful, like going for a walk or whatever. And then that's where the permanent weight loss journey can start because it's like, I'm not using food to numb away anymore. And then when I feel better, I want to take care of myself more. So then it's like the weight will automatically adjust itself as it's supposed to. You mentioned your, or whether it's your earliest memory or kind of the, the trigger for all of this was when you were eight. Yeah. What would you say to eight-year-old Leslie today? Aww, so cute. I would say. We um, paint us a picture of her cuteness, please. Oh my God. She was so cute. Like little chubby face. I had this little like voice like really cute like everybody was always like wow Leslie how'd she get so cute I was also like a nurturer at eight years old I had my mom just had a baby and I was like carrying her around all the time like taking care of her like she was my own like I was just like this little like mommy adult like cute little face little eight-year-old 
You got it? I got it. I got it. (laughs) You have like pigtails? I picture you in pigtails. Uh, I could have had pigtails, but it was probably more like half up, half down if I had to guess. (laughs) White blonde hair, like really white blonde. That's probably an important feature. That is an important feature. Okay. We got it. Little clothes, like, I don't know, probably like, I don't know what it would be, but anyway. Um, Yeah. What would I say to her? I'd be like, Hey, Liz, like, um, I just had an idea. Like, why don't you and I, after school, learn how to, um, like cook dinner together? Like, let's do that together. And then, um, as I'd be cooking with her, I'd be like teaching her, like, so these are, you know, vegetables. And like, when I eat vegetables, I feel so energized. Like I feel so great inside when I eat vegetables. What do you feel like? Cause I feel like I was like, you know, I was the middle child or whatever. I feel like I bottled emotions and it was just kind of like, I was just this quiet kind of like, you know, caregiver or whatever at that age even. And, um, yeah. So I was just like, I think I had feelings and I had like probably wanted to talk, but I didn't. So I think having that like one-on-one time and then also like not making any food wrong. Cause right away I learned like too many cookies is bad. Like judgment. If you are eating, you know, outside of meal time or snack time, like just like a lot of that. So awareness from a mom's standpoint, which my mom did not have at the time of like, we just need to stimulate her in a different way. You know, like not that there's anything wrong with her eating, but like, let's educate in like a way that isn't judgmental and, um, Yeah. And like, let's find out what activities Les likes to do because they might be different than what her sisters are up to. Like, I loved watching movies as a little girl, like would just like sit in my basement and like, didn't want to like do anything. I wasn't unhappy. I was just like, this is my jam. Like, let me just sit here and like watch all these awesome things. So like, obviously my body's going to be a little bit different, but then like just a little bit more like creativity with like, what's going to be stimulating for Les. And I think I did have that really smart mind. So as soon as I was given this like project to focus on, but like, what if they gave me a different project to focus on at eight, Yeah, you know, like how might that have changed things? So that's what I would do and say. One of the things I'm hearing, and I happen to know that you're a projector. So I, it sounds like if somebody had really truly seen you yeah at eight that could have helped a lot definitely and this is not your parents fault oh no 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 they were always doing the best they could um but yeah if if somebody saw me it would have really meant a lot I had one aunt who saw me and like just like the way that I felt being around her was you know just like yeah like can we just talk together you know so yes that's the answer projectors like to be seen yeah. And you guys can't really see yourselves. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. You got to work to see yourself so that other people can see you. And yep. as an eight-year-old, do any of us see ourselves at eight? Like, yeah. really? I don't think We're just so. trying to figure out this human thing at that age. Yeah. Well, and at this age, like <laughs> every age. <laughs> yep. Just going through the motions not really knowing what's happening. I feel like at eight. Yeah. So yeah. The other time that I was thinking during our conversation, right. That's perfect for a projector is you talking about eating a few bites of your cheesecake. 
Yeah. Projectors, are you guys are designed to some people say like eat like birds. I can see how damaging that phrase could be. Mm-hmm. But like you guys are the type who has like three crackers. And then like a little while later, you go back for a couple bites of this and then a couple yeah. bites of this. You're just like you eat tiny little things all yeah. day, every yep. day. Yep. That's really works for me a lot. Just like, yep. Had a little bit of yogurt and watermelon this morning had like some vegetables and some chicken for lunch. Cause I was feeling hungry and then had some bites of cheesecake later. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I wonder also as a little projector, if being told you're supposed to eat like during these mealtimes and then don't eat in between. Mm. Eek. That's yeah. completely against how you're designed. Well, good to know that. Yep. Cause that makes sense. Cause I was always wanting to like pick at stuff and it was like, you're not supposed to do that. So yeah. Yeah. Parents of projectors are advised, like leave food out for them, you know, like you do for your, for your cat, but at a higher level and make it human food. There you go. Don't put it on the floor. That would have worked great. (laughs) Even if they put out vegetables and fruits, I would have eaten that too. So Cool. Good to know. Well, I'll look out for my future child one day of what yes. they are. And you're so sure not going to have a projector. Right you're oh, not. really? I don't know. I just like now that you know how to okay, come back that to makes me sense. when you have a kid and you'll okay. have a, a manifester and manifestors don't need parenting. Got it. They'll be all set. Clear. Great. Yeah. Manifestors so tend to tell their parents when their parents tell them things they say, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. Cause they already know <gasps> it all. It. And is it true? Do they? They do. They still need love. They still need shelter. They still need food, but really they know it all. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes it easy for a parent. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a little tangent. Uh-huh. I want to come back to you. <laughs> what if you had a billboard? Mm. that you could put anywhere in the world, but it's this magical place where everybody can see it. So what would you say on it? And it basically I'm asking you, what is your message to the world? What do you want to scream from the rooftops? What do you want everybody to know? You can change your life anytime that you want to, you can change your life today. Mm. I think that would be it. Just like you can change your life today what would you want people to understand from that? That to not be a victim, that they don't need to be victims of their circumstances. Like, I mean, I changed literally overnight from something. I mean, it used to be like, I wish the three genie wish thing was true. And I would always be wishing that I didn't have to deal with the food thing, that I could eat whatever I wanted and never gain weight. Like from eight years old until I was 20 two or something like that. Like that's a long time. And most of the clients that I work with are like fifties and sixties. Like that's a way longer time. And like, there's so many humans on this earth that are thinking that this is just the plague they have to deal with. And they're ashamed of it and don't talk about it because it's like, that's too like, you know, it's a problem. And it also is a problem because I know that when I was stuck in that mental trap, I couldn't think about anything else and I couldn't be doing the good work in the world that I'm doing today. And I believe that all the addicts out there with their smart minds have the ability to be doing what they're passionate about that could change the world. 
And I feel like this time, especially on our planet, we need people to start getting present to their own potential and greatness so that we can change the world. So I want people to know that they can change in a dime like that, even from these things that are seeming like it's an impossible cross that they have to bear so that they can have the life that they want. Yes. Preach. Do it every day. I'm ready for more. (laughs) I feel like that's a great place to close out this conversation because you just dropped the mic on that. So where can people reach out to you? How can they connect with you? Listen to your podcast. Tell us all of the, all the things. Sure. So the hypnosis for permanent weight loss podcast. Um, and then if you text the word hypnosis to the number seven, 27, 27, um, you get access to my free hypnosis training. And then you also have the ability to book a call with us. So that's the easiest way. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love talking with you. Yeah, me too. This was so fun. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Hey there, it's me again. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope you got whatever you were supposed to get out of that. And reminders, you can find everything you need at kelseyabbott.com. Go to Leslie's website for all things Leslie and to find out how to work with her. And if you love this episode, any part of it, and you want to share it with your friends, that would be super fabulous. Please do so. If you're inspired to leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, I would also really appreciate that. So thank you so much. You're magical. You're a miracle. I love you. Go do something fun. Go forth and be awesome.